Cloak and Dagger, Season 2, Episode 7, Viking Town Sound. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery. I am one of the hosts here who is here to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe Cloak and Dagger Corner over there in New Orleans. I've been joined. No, no, no. It's not New Orleans. Norns. It's it's at least New Orleans. New Orleans. No. no. It's like the, the old joke is the... It's, uh, is the capital of Kentucky Louisville or Louisville? It's Louisville. It's Frankfurt. Okay. Yeah, that's the, that's the I, joke. I, I didn't know, say it was a good joke. It's just an old joke. It's an old joke. Yeah, and that's one of those pet peeve things um, that I get I get on because it's stupid. Like, it's not Oregon. It's Oregon. Okay. Okay. Hi, I'm Stu, by the way, Agent Stu, all the way from DUP, where we have a big bridge that's called the Mackinac Bridge, but it's spelled with a C, so, so it really Mackinac. should be the Mackinac Bridge. Yep. The Mackinac. So, how are you, Bren? I'm good. 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 It's been a little while, Stuart. Yeah, it has. Uh, Do you want to talk about any of your pet peeves? <laughs> no. Good. No. My pet not. peeves are people who bring up their pet peeves so quickly. I at least said no briefly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been a while. I, I, you know, life, kids, work, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we're just keep keeping moving. Yeah, we are keeping moving, but we're keeping moving with two episodes a week this week. And hopefully for the next, what, three, four? I'm not sure how many episodes we get for Cloak and Dagger season two. If it's 10, I think it's 10. But I, uh, I am the wrong person to ask is all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah but yeah this is cloak and dagger so, we're here to talk yeah. about right now and this episode is called viking town sound now is it viking town or viking town i don't know i i don't have an answer for that yeah yeah and i probably shouldn't have said it because it was stupid to stay in the first place <laughs> we're we're off to a great start uh <laughs> let's let's talk about this episode yeah is there any is there I haven't been on for a while. Is there any news that we need to to catch up on? The the news is just breaking today. Disney. Oh, okay. Have have you heard this? Disney oh, bought oh, out oh. Comcast's 33% of Hulu. Which that doesn't make any sense cuz now Disney is competing with itself. With Disney Plus and Hulu. No, it's not. Because here's how it makes sense. Disney okay. is planning to continue with Hulu with the more adult fare. And so they're going to continue with things like, um, oh, the show with the person. Any of those would yeah. work, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we should so, start over on this episode, but... <laughs> Um, I did like the news segment, so if you I, if you do want to start over, I'm good with that. <laughs> no, it's Just say New Orleans. <laughs> so what they're able to do is is continue on with with stuff that's not PG-13, and continue Ooh. on with stuff that is, you know, Hulu original. Um, you know, I, I, so I assume that that uh, that Runaways is going to continue on on Hulu, but the idea is that you get. If you get Disney Plus and Hulu now, you will probably get a discount for having both. And that, yeah, the Fox, the Fox stuff, you know, that, that doesn't fit well with, uh, like, say, Alien. We'll, we'll just go with Alien. Okay. That's mm -hmm. not going to go on Disney Plus, but they could put it out on Hulu. Right. But they could also, doesn't Hulu have a bunch of like NBC? 
shows. Yeah, well, uh, Universal shows. Okay, and and yeah, maybe um, the, that'll stay because of contracts, or maybe it'll find a new home. Um, you know, there's there's lots of stuff on Hulu that is not, um, you know, Disney. I, I believe Star Trek still might be on Hulu. It's everywhere else. It might as well be on. Hulu. Yeah, I mean, I, so I don't know what's going to happen with that, but Disney. Yeah. It, they're not competing with themselves. It's two different markets that they're going after. That and makes sense. people like us who straddle those two markets um, will get a discount for having both, is what they're saying. Oh, that'll be nice. So we'll that'll see. Nice. We'll see. Can I have a discount for having all three Hulu, Disney Plus, and Netflix? <laughs> well, <The> Marvel discount. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. No, you don't get no, a discount you, for you that. Don't. Sure. Yeah. You get to pay more. Yay. So, yeah, that is the today's news. That was really interesting um, when it kind of popped into my feed. And do, So did you – there's the other – there's another smaller bit of news. Oh, is there? Captain Marvel is going to be released the 28th. Oh, on, uh, on physical media on digital. And, or digital? It's digital first, I think, and then physical media like okay. two weeks after. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I pre-ordered mine, so it'll pop right into my iTunes. Perfect. Ready to go. Perfect. All right. Well, let's talk about this episode then. Yeah, let's do that. So here's what's going on. Tandy was captured, remember, last episode? Mm -hmm. And this episode, we find out where they took her. And the camera in the cold open takes us past a piece of paper blowing in the wind. And this piece of paper blowing in the wind has a picture of a missing person on it, a missing girl, one of the missing girls. It gets picked up by a trash collector and thrown away. And as the trash truck drives by, we, f we hear a trumpet solo. And this trumpet solo is coming from a man in a hotel room or motel room, not a hotel. This is decidedly not a hotel, a motel room. And uh, Tandy is lying in bed, sleeping in this motel room. And as, he's playing the trumpet. That's as he plays the, the trumpet. Yes. Yeah. Not just a, like a record or something. He's actually playing. Playing the trumpet. And that's our cold open. And yeah, might as well just jump right into the to act one here. Because, Go right ahead. Yeah. So we get Bridget in, in investigating the grow house. With Ty, um, Ty feels bad for telling Tandy that she'd be better off without him. And then Ty goes to the place where Andre works, the the place where they're doing those those group therapy sessions, uh, looking for Tandy. That's Ty's uh, <laughs> arc in Act One. Um, he's on the he's on the he's on the lookout for Tandy. He's going to do whatever he can for his friend, and. You want a friend like that. I think that's the lesson we get from Act 1 with Ty, is if you're going to have a friend, you want a friend like Ty. Yes, you do. And similar friendships I can think of are Buzz Lightyear and Woody the Cowboy. Yeah. Um, you might also think of Bucky and Captain America, just throwing out friendships. Or you might think of Aladdin and the Genie, because you ain't never had a friend like me. But um, only the cartoon version. <laughs> I don't know what to think about this live action thing. I'm I'm putting my foot down on the live action. I'm not. Mm -mm. <laughs> so Tandy's stuff, in, or, or Ty's stuff, rather, in Act 1, not all that interesting, but very important. Uh, yeah. The interesting stuff is Tandy's stuff. Uh, Andre is the trumpeter. And he is just feeding her lies he's gaslighting her he's telling her that um everything in her head was her fault it, 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 yeah it wasn't real but it was her fault it came from her he didn't make it happen he just was looking at her and, and pulling out what was already there tandy meanwhile realizes okay this means probably ty is not dead that's good um but she can't use her powers because she doesn't have hope right now because 
he needs that. And he, he kind of gives some vague explanations about how he doesn't cause people pain, but he understands pain and he feels it and commiserates with people. And it's the only way that he can tamp down his migraines. The world gave him so much pain. The only way he can handle it is for him to share it from time to time. So he's not causing pain, but he's using pain to kind of, it sounds like he's using people to, to siphon off or leech off the pain that he has. And, but he's doing it for people who are just already in pain. Well, already in pain or that he perceives in, is in pain and then supposes he can manipulate. Yeah, but I'd say that there's a there's an element, a supernatural element to how he perceives people's pain. Like he's able to see that they have this immeasurable, horrible pain because of this record store. The psychic record store that he has. But that's. That's still inside of Ty's cloak, right? That record store? I I think that – no, I, I don't think it is inside his cloak. I think that it is uh, – that his cloak is a passageway to this place, but it's not actually within him. Okay. Like he's he said before, like when he – I think when, when he pulled Bridget in or, or, or when, maybe when he pulled Connors in – but he said that it didn't feel like they were going into him. It felt like they were passing through him. And so he's oh, the gate. Okay. He's the gate to this place. But it's not like within him. Man, I would I would love to see Doctor Strange and those two communicate somehow. That'd be really cool. That'd be very Man, cool. Man, would that be cool. So cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, okay. So, so we think they're on another plane of existence somewhere that Ty is the, um, conduit to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, there's other girls at this motel and they work there. Uh, basically they're slaves, but there's one girl, Dell, who proves quote unquote that they aren't slaves because Leah Tells Dell, go ahead, leave. You can go. You can go anytime you want. And Dell just can't go. The motel is filled with girls like Tandy and Dell without hope. Um, they can leave anytime they want, but they can't. You know, or it's it's the Hotel California. Right. You can go anytime you want, but you can never leave. Right. Yeah. Which is a um with the Hotel California is Folsom Prison. If you didn't know that. Um, I, I had heard that as, as one explanation. Oh, there's more. Oh, I thought, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I'm down with alternate explanations for, for how that works. Cool. I don't know what the actual thing is meant to be, but that's one that I've heard. And I've also heard, um, actual, like, uh, another realm. Like, like it is oh, what like it actually some, is. Yeah. Like a supernatural hotel. Yeah. Like. What they describe isn't just metaphorical, but like it's meant huh. to be like a, a story of a yeah. right, wrong. Who knows? Someone out there it's knows the Eagles. I, I may not. The, the Eagles know. Maybe. Maybe at least the one who wrote it. Yeah. So here's our third major thing going on here, and that is that Ty's mother, Adina, has Connors tied to a chair. And. She says she has a dilemma. She's stuck between two forces, Billy and Tyrone. And these two forces are, um, is what he has to offer for Tyrone enough to outweigh her need. So her desire to take care of her, her one son, does it outweigh her need to kill Connors for what he did to her other son, to Billy? It's, that'd be a big – I mean that would that would be something that would weigh heavily on my conscience too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just, yes, it would. I, do I, I take revenge or do I uh, seek absolution for my son? Well, and it comes down to you know if what Connors has to offer is no good, then 
What's the use? You know, why, why let him survive? Um, I find myself really bouncing back and forth on Connors uh, because the guy seems to want to have justice, have justice on him. You know, and does that take away from, yeah, that desire for revenge? And, you know, is it's just a really interesting thing where he he wants to do the right thing, but why does he want to do the right thing? And does it matter that he wants to do the right thing? And it's it just brings up all these questions of if someone who wronged you so absolutely were to come to you and ask you to let them try and make it right, even though they know they can't make it completely right. It, it just brings up some really, really interesting stuff about justice and about forgiveness and about repentance and yeah. about changing your ways. And My, I, I was with that train of thought until the scene that happens later in this episode. Yeah. And then that, that brought into a whole bunch of questions. Well, let's let's work our way towards that that scene. That's that's why I didn't say it. Yeah. So Andre and Ty have a little bit of a conflict, uh, where Ty is saying, "I respect that you can't tell me anything about some of these people where you know there's privileged information," and um, but he shakes the guy's hand, and then he's in the record store. And Tyrone has his own set of records in the record store. And one of the records is labeled Tandy and Tyrone. And now Andre's going after Ty, trying to make him feel helpless. And it's working. And it's all about Tandy and how you know she has no need for you. She she's a privileged white girl who's taking from the world with no remorse. She doesn't care about you. And your time looking for her would be better spent thinking about life without her. He says, maybe you're right. And, and that's that, like, that's, that's that for this, this act. But yeah, I haven't, I, I really like the record store. I don't remember liking it when we first got introduced to it, but now, I mean, those vinyl albums are very, uh, artfully done mm -hmm. very interesting to look at um i don't know that i would ever buy a, a vinyl album anymore because it just would break in my house but i appreciate them as works of art yeah i i have a stack of vinyl behind me i don't have a i don't think i have a working record player we have a very old <laughs> record player I a thinking, if i ever get to it i'll uh try and sell them but um i don't think i'd buy any more vinyl either just because i'd be afraid of someone trying to steal all my hope by playing <laughs> the record and it's it's a really interesting dynamic and it's a great metaphor mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's a very unique metaphor yes because because you know we're of an age where we had vinyl and then now all we have is CDs and really even just downloads anymore. Like, but vinyl's getting, you know, there's this resurgence of this, this vinyl subculture thing. Uh, you couldn't have done this in a, yeah. in a teen oriented show seven years ago, five years ago. Yes, absolutely. But because, you could yeah. have done this 20 years ago or right. today, you know, because People still remember them 20 years ago, They're, and now it's that, that resurgence where you may not – as a teenager, you may not ever want to buy one, but you've seen them mm -hmm. in stores. You've seen them at – I don't know. I know at Barnes & Noble. They've got uh, them at Walmart. Yeah, it's true. Target. You know, the new, the new Taylor Swift album is on vinyl. I don't know why that is, but sure, whatever. Yeah. And and then the other thing would be is if you went to um, somewhere with a real DJ um, where they're actually spinning the vinyl and, and doing that, which is part yeah. of part of what kept it around long enough to kind of get that hipster resurgence thing going. 
uh, was actually you know pressing vinyl records so people could use them as they're mixing um, as a DJ. That and the sound quality is if if you connect it all right and you have a good setup, the sound quality is better. So they say. I'm just saying I've I've experienced it. It's there's a it's a richer sound for whatever reason. Um, not on any of my speakers. <laughs> That's what I'm <laughs> saying. You gotta have way. a yeah. you gotta have like an actual setup. Yeah. Like the old hi fi. Yep. Which is why they call it the hi fi. It's high fidelity. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so our podcast will not be on vinyl anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, also happening in Act Two, we have Tandy, who interrogates Dell, finds out Dell has a really bad, bad history that really can be summed up with: my father was a hammer, my mother was a nail. And that's that's a uh, I think perfect summary for Dell's life. So Tandy wants to escape, but Dell will not leave, and so Tandy's like, "Well, we can just walk out of here." And so she does. She walks out, sees a lot of the girls. Uh, guard grabs her on her way out because Dell stitched. And then they have this weird scene. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, it, it didn't really. I don't. I don't know if I felt the payoff or whatever. But um, Dell had to deliver the smoke vapors to Tandy, so she breathes in the smoke vapors and breathes them into Tandy's face. And that knocks out Tandy, but not Dell. I, I didn't quite catch this. What was going on here? I, I, I think that's a subculture that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, I, I don't know. That that might be. I, I guess I could see it being a, a voodoo thing, maybe, or mm, maybe just some weird vaping thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. I know people will breathe smoke in each other's face. That is a very can be a very disrespectful thing. Um, but the way, the way they do this, like Dell is, I'm sorry, please don't make me do this. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't quite understand what was going on. Well, what's, what's interesting is that it's not an act of, um, it's an act of aggression, but it's not a fierce aggression, right? It's not like she handcuffed her and then knocked her out with a frying pan or something like that. She, all she did was breathe in something that didn't hurt her and breathed out something that hurt um, that hurt Tandy. And so that was a very low key, but very dangerous thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and the way she was reacting, I was expecting something more yeah. violent. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to chop off your hand. Like, that's what yeah. I was expecting. Or that Dell was going to have to do something to herself, because that is. You that know, would have been another one. That's right? a that's a way of 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 torture of punishment is that mm-hmm. your consequences for your actions are that someone else takes these consequences, and you're far more likely to not mm-hmm. risk consequences in, in, in some situations, and, and maybe there's some people who aren't like this, but you're far more likely to not risk consequences if you know that other people are going to suffer because of what you did. Right. And and I could see that being used as this kind of psychological um, warfare. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. But it, so again, the punishment is very interesting because it's not um, it, it doesn't end up hurting her or damaging the goods, so to speak. It ends up pacifying her so they can go on to the next scene. Right, right. So that's act two. Act three. Oh, wait, we did miss one thing. And that is Andre is in the record store. And he sees the symbol on the window. And then he goes to Auntie. Is it Chantal? Yeah, um, I think so. I've just been using Auntie in my notes. But she, he, he goes to her with the image from the record store. But meanwhile, Mayhem is spying on the record store. Yeah. So got a nice little uh, interesting possible um, 
plot twist for one of these plots. Like, I, I don't know what mayhem is there for, you know, like, why is she spying and what is she going to do? And she actually surprises me later on mm-hmm. with what she was planning to do, or what she does do, mm-hmm. actually. Um, which brings us into act three, where Ty's parents are arguing about what's going to happen. What should they do with Connors? And Otis leaves. And when Adina comes back, she just jumps right to the chase. Where's Billy's body? Where is Billy's body? Because you hit it and you got a different body instead that didn't have bullets in it that you could pass off as Billy's body. So where is my real son's body? So I was all for Connors being a repentant person. Mm-hmm. Until this, until right before this scene, when he's like using the chair to get the knife to escape. If he really, well, that being said, he could also be fearing for his life. I get it. I get maybe that reading of his um, motivations, but I think he was using the he was trying to get the knife as a weapon rather than as a uh, escape mechanism. I I don't. I think he was trying to get it as an escape mechanism. I think he was thinking they are going to kill me right now. But isn't that what he wanted? No, he wants to make things right. He wants to make things right. He wants Ty to not be charged with Connor's murder. And right. So, but if they if they find Connor's body somewhere, then he would be okay. Yeah, I guess I can see that. I mean, if if they kill him, he is no good to them. Like that's that's just the big, the big thing that Adina is trying to figure out. Like, if he has value to Tyrone, she won't kill him. She will let him turn himself in, help with you know, making it so that it's clear that Billy was killed. By Connors and that Tyrone did not kill Ty- Connors. Like he wants to do that, but if if he can't do what he wants to do, then Adina has no reason to keep him alive. Yeah. And here with Otis coming in, suddenly Adina has a another voice with you know she already has these two voices at war within herself which way is she going to fall well otis is here to bring the scales down on we can't let this guy we can't let this guy live mm-hmm. he he's it's a trap somehow and yeah it just man well it, and then she goes all uh not scarlet witch scarlet johansson how so? Black Widow, because I, I, she, she starts going in about how, you know, she just wants to bury her son, and then once he says it, she's like, "Thanks." It reminded me of Black Widow and Avengers. That's all. Well, I mean, we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit, and that's oh. okay. But um, yeah, I, she is cooking as she's doing this. Mm-hmm. And if he can convince her, they're going to eat together. And if he cannot convince her, she's going to kill him. And, you know, she doesn't believe Connors. I, she says, I don't like your face because it's the face of a system. It's not just your face, although that's bad enough, the, the face of the man who did all these things to me. But he's also the face of a system that's held her down, held her kind down. And she say, even says something like, you know, I'm still... You're tied up here, but I feel like I'm I'm still scared. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very interesting. This show does not shy away from race issues. It also doesn't bring him to the forefront. It just says they're here if we have if we choose to play with them. And sometimes they'll they'll bring it in. Wasn't it the last episode or the episode before that where um, Tandy and Ty were in the one of the alternate timelines yeah, or whatever convenience store. in the convenience store. Um, th- again, they, they choose to play with this race issue when it's appropriate. I, you know, I, I feel like they don't. 
it's not even that they're choosing to play with it as much as it's just a natural part of yeah. the real world, you know? Yeah. And, and so this being a reflection of the real world, it's just there. It's, it it's not what the show is about, but just like a show is not about shoes, but People everyone wears wear shoes, you know, they're there. It's the same mm-hmm. thing with this show is not about race relations, but it's taking place in a time and a place, uh, both a place with the city and a place with the country and a place with the world, really, you know, um, yep. where it's it's there. And so to shy away from it m- could be taken as being disingenuous. You know, you're not you're not approaching reality. Well, it also wouldn't um, be as real feeling, you know, it, when they become superheroes, quotes unquote, um, it it feels uh, natural that they do that. But I don't think that they could become their superheroic personas when they're not dealing with some real issues. And in the comics, that's I mean, clearly I, this this image of here's this this white girl, here's this black young man. You know, mm-hmm. and and their powers are based on light and darkness, and and they have all of these you know duos and dichotomies and things like that. But the race side of things for this duo is intentional. Like, yeah, it's it, built in, and and like, so it wasn't always handled really well uh, <laughs> in the comics, but it, it was there, and they they intentionally were heading it into it. Um, now it tended to, to be, you know, a white writer who was doing this and, but he was mm-hmm. trying to, to do this stories that would do that some justice. And so sometimes it came up and sometimes it was just about their friendship and, and here sometimes it comes up. Sometimes what's going on is about their friendship. And sometimes it comes up in the context of the friendship, a, a mixed race friendship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm I'm sitting here talking about it analytically as as this you know white man. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, but be- but it's it's there. And what's nice about it for me is not that I'm seeing myself reflected on the screen, but I'm actually seeing things that are you know causing me to to think about. Well, and yeah. it's you know we're seeing, and neither of us live in New Orleans, and um, neither of us are young black or white female people. So we don't really see ourselves on the screen, but I'd like to think that I see a um, fairly accurate, fairly respectful um, representation of events that could occur if the, if the timing and the situation were appropriate for them to do yeah. Okay. I mean, anytime you take any kind of narrative art, mm-hmm. you are going to experience it in two different ways. And one is you experience it from the outside in where you're looking at it and saying to yourself, oh, the this is the experience of someone other than me. Mm-hmm. And you can be empathetic about that and say this is the experience of someone other than me or you can be, you know – hardened to it to say I don't care about the experience of someone other than me uh, or you look at it from the other side which is from the inside out where you're saying I get it you know and and I'm learning something from this about myself by watching this this story and so in in both ways as you're looking from the outside in and you're seeing yourself represented or as you're looking from the outside in and seeing someone else represented you know, you, you get something out of that. And then in both ways where from the inside out, where if you're watching something like when I watch something about a dad and and a, and a child as a dad myself. Yeah. Watching it from the inside. You know, like I I, re- I resonate with this experience, you know, and so I'm going to as as I watch this dad doing something on the screen, I'm getting a lump in my throat because I. I am a dad, you know. Um, however, I'm not a grandma. 
you know, and so, but there's still that inside out. And so if I'm watching something about a grandmother who is going through an emotional experience, I can still, um, be I, empathetic I can, to her emotions. Well, and I can still feel like I, I'm, I understand what she's feeling sometimes where there's shared experiences that cross gender, race lines, age lines, all that. There, there's shared experience. And then there's specific experience that you learn about and hopefully become empathetic to. And that's what this cloak and dagger show is, is hitting everything. You know, I, I'm watching a, a parent with Adina and I'm feeling the feels of a parent, but then I'm also got these extra feels as I'm watching a mother, a mother of color dealing with, you know, things that I will never have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, and, and dealing with things that my children will never have to deal with. And so therefore I'm never gonna have to deal with. Um, and that's the best. I mean, we, we've talked somewhat about this before, but that's, that's one of the great things about art. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and then art in um, a storytelling manner and then art in an episodic storytelling manner, which is what this show is. Yeah. Yeah. So with uh, with Adina, she gets out the two plates and they're going to eat together because he has something to offer her. Um, because I, I believe Connors is being genuine. And here's another thing that got me thinking in this episode because I started wondering, do I trust him and believe him? And think the best about him that he is actually turned toward his better nature because he looks like me. Oh, because he looks like you? Yeah. Am, am I – I can understand her not wanting to trust him because – I mean just from the start, I'm understanding because – you know, my natural inclination is, oh, he killed her son. But then as she's talking about this, you know, your face is the face of a system. And I I hadn't thought about that until she says it. And so then now I'm even more like, oh, okay, I can understand her not trusting him. But I'm trusting him. I'm believing him. And I'm wondering, are they tricking me? You know, and because I've heard people saying that they, they don't believe that Connors is, is actually – wanting you know to to do the right thing here he there's a end game in his eh, end game um but his his end game well is uh, is more nefarious than what he's presenting and i'm taking him at face value and i'm wondering uh as i'm watching this am i taking him at face value because i i empathize for someone who looks like me would you be thinking that in a show that did not touch on the race issues as much? I don't think so. And that's a good thing. I think that that shows here that this show, even if even if this is not what they where they go with things mm-hmm. and everything is face value as far as this this Connor's plot line goes. I think that this is a good show that gets me thinking about things I wouldn't normally think about. And and for that, I will absolutely agree. I, I think though, you know, there's that story of the, uh, the scorpion who asks the uh, alligator for a ride and I'm screwing this all up. So it's just, a, uh, you know what I mean? Though, yeah. Right? Yeah. It, and at the end he stings him and he's like, dude, I'm a scorpion. And so, like, that's what I see Connors being. I mean, you don't get to – yes, he spent eight months or whatever it was locked with all of his own thoughts and and um, atrocities and going through them in his mind in the other plane of existence, right? But he's still a scorpion. But is he? I mean, that's a good question. And, know, and and the only the only people who know that, I mean, he knows what he is, and hopefully he's telling the truth. I want him to tell the truth, but at the other time, I'm looking at him going, "Well, your tail's kind of curling up there a little bit, there, dude, guy." So yeah, yeah. But but is he a scorpion? Because I, and this is the other thing 
as I'm watching this and I'm asking questions about forgiveness and I'm asking questions about repentance and I'm asking questions about these things. I'm, I'm just, is that my, um, my worldview shining through, right. you know, where I, I do believe you can change. I do believe you can change your life. I do believe that you can uh, turn away from your darker nature and toward your better. Um, I, I, I believe that. And so is that just my naivete saying, yeah, I trust you. Because <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I I believe that too. I just don't believe it in TV. Well, do you believe it in Connors? Is the question. You know, well, that's he's on TV, so you don't trust him. No, I want to, but at the end of the day, I don't because they have painted him as the bad guy. Now they can go on and subvert subvert my expectations. I'm happy for that. I want that. Which like they've the already whole, done with this whole plot. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. With the whole, with Andre and, and then his, you know, with the Leah, is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Andre and Leah thing. I mean, that's great. And then the fact that he, they've subverted expectations all over the place. And I hope that Connors is one of those. I, I do think that his purgatory, let's call it was a different thing than some other villains who say, I've turned over a new leaf. I mean, he did spend not just those months with his thoughts of the bad things he did, but realizing he is in a, some sort of supernatural or at the very least unnatural place uh, that, that is beyond just, you know, four months in a prison cell. So that's that's another thing that gets me thinking. Oh, maybe he could change. Maybe he could. He maybe he has. So. All right. So that's Connors. That's Adina, and that's Otis. Back to Act Three with Mayhem. So this is where it gets really interesting. She goes in the record store. She stops the record, and suddenly Tyrone looks like he's better off. And that was cool, by the way, but it gets cooler. <laughs> yes, it does. Like this whole, this whole sequence. I, whole I am, device. I am loving this. She, and I'm, I'm second guessing myself now about mayhem. Like, is she just doing this to get out of here? Or is she doing this because she is that chaotic good? Like she really does want to stop I'll, evil. I'll give her chaotic good. Yeah. Yeah, so she she puts on a a perfect life mm-hmm. album from last episode, and it's the first recital or whatever. And the young ballerinas come on the cable car. Yes, and they sit with Tyrone, and yeah, he smiles a little bit. And as they're whispering to each other and laughing with each other, not him and the ballerinas, because. Um, the ballerinas are these little girls, and but they're sitting all around him. And as the one sitting next to him leans over to speak to the one across the aisle from him on the, the cable car, and um, he smiles, puts his hood over his head, and he poofs out of there. <laughs> and that's one way to escape a fair. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh they- <laughs> they have done uh, this entire series, you know, up till this episode. They've done things with the camera and and with the the design of the scene, the mise en scène that you have to keep watching. You can't just idly no. watch this and play on your phone because there's there's even I mean all the albums even. But then they do stuff like putting all the little ballerinas on there. Yeah. Visual cues. Yeah, the, the, they let the pictures tell the story. This is not yes. like a, a soap opera where, yeah, you could passively experience it without even looking at the screen because there's just constant dialogue explaining what's going on and, and talking and talking and talking. Um, so then Mayhem finds a red record with sirens on it, puts that on, and then all these ambulances drive by. Yes. And, oh, hey, I got an idea. i love it yeah so yeah let's continue with ty because then he goes 
he uh, spray paints uh, v- uh, Veve. What do they call that? That's what she called Veve, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, tele- he spray paints it on a rooftop and then teleports into the right ambulance. But it's this huge thing. Like he's used these smaller ones before, but it's this huge one on a rooftop and it teleports him into the right ambulance. And do you think the size had anything to do with the degree of accuracy? I do. I do. Mm-hmm. That's what um, I thought too. Yeah. I, I, I think that's why he went big anyway. Maybe he didn't yeah. need to go big, but I think that's why he went big. Now, can he just paint over that and do it again? I don't know. Or maybe he just needs to find another rooftop. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But Yeah, but that was really cool. When when especially when she was sort of dictating his uh, Well, she mood? got rid of yeah, yeah the, emotions, the I, mood or yeah, whatever. But she got rid of that despair, hopelessness mm-hmm. by taking mm-hmm. that record off and yeah, it's nice that she's, uh, you know, the the girl on the inside for him. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't even know he has, but yeah, because he, that because she's still locked in this, you know, um, other realm, right? Yeah, she. That's what's other. The other thing that's interesting is she's locked in there. She can't get out. And and actually, Tandy went in uh, originally intending to get her out, mm-hmm. and Connors was the one who came out instead. Um, so Tandy wakes up and Leah is telling her stories about playing in mom's closet and I could be anyone I wanted to be uh, and then the closet went sort of to this fairyland with a light lamp post no and a a fawn carrying packages yeah Yeah, no no and Turkish delight Turkish delight is gross by the way Uh, I've had some good Turkish delight but the Turkish delight that I actually made myself was just very, very stiff, sweet, jello, and not great. Well, then. Yeah. Because we did a Narnia party. And, <laughs> and we're like, yeah, we're going to make some Turkish delight. And no, I, don't. Don't it, make Turkish yeah. delight. So then she she thought everything was great because she would be in her mother's closet and she could be a princess, a priestess, whatever, a styler. Um, But then she meets Andre and Andre taught her that pain was okay. And that her parents were putting their pain on her. And Tandy tries to argue that pain is not real. And, and Leah dresses her up and puts headphones on her and, yeah, I mean they're they're just getting more control over her. She can't move, mm-hmm. she can't get up. She's 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 stuck there. So that's that's what's going on with Tandy. We'll get more into that later. But Andre then with Auntie, and she doesn't trust him. Doesn't trust his character. And when he shows her a symbol from the window of his veve, um. It's okay. You got my interest now, you know, but, um, but I don't trust your character. And then he touches her and he goes to the record store and finds all of his records all messed up. Cause mayhem did that. <laughs> and, and auntie is in there. And that was a cool turn too. Yeah. Because how did she get in there? Yeah. You know, she's got the touch. Yeah. That's, yeah. You've got which, the touch. Which, You've got the power. I'll stop there. Which speaks to it being Tyrone being a conduit to this other plane. Uh, I think that she used her own conduit. I think. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, yeah that, that it's not t- in Tyrone. Right. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree fully. She's talking with him about how, oh, there's your vive and it's on a door. Well, that's not subtle because <laughs> the vive is not a key. It's a lock and she doesn't recognize it, but she recognizes pieces of it. And she tells him he's the only one who can interpret it. Um, and she's going to try and get her to or get him rather to walk away from it because he 
curates pain. And he's like, nope, nope. The records just find a memory and bring it forward. And she's, she just doesn't trust him because he's not doing righteousness. He's doing evil. Um, and he's very practical about it. Well, no, I'm just, it is what it is. And I love this line that she gives where she says, if you can't be merciful when you play God, what kind of God will you be when you ain't playing no more? Mm. Great yeah, line. That's... Which doesn't just speak to, you know, um, human beings, you know, finding God-like powers, but but any kind of thing where you, as you grow into power, you know, the kind of person you are without the power is amplified with the power. I can think of two examples right at the top of my head head one is that's a biblical thing you know be be wise with the small things and mm-hmm. you will grow into the bigger things but it's also captain america yeah yeah and red skull mm-hmm. yeah so he has her pick out her favorite memory and this was sad yeah yeah so we hear a conversation about a beautiful baby and she puts that record on and it plays this conversation. He picks out uh, an album to put on a, another turntable and it's got a heartbeat in it. And they're asking, does she have the veil? Does she have it? And it's Avita's mother talking to auntie and accuses auntie of hiding something. And then he manipulates that record to stop and the heartbeat stops. And, okay, maybe we should rewatch this, but was this implication that Auntie caused Avita's mother to die? I don't know, but I love her line, which is, I've walked through this. This is part of my journey. Yep. Yeah, it's not new. It's not like he's bringing something up that she hasn't dealt with. Right. All the auntie stuff in this episode, just great lines. Yeah, I I think it's going to need a rewatch, but I also think it's going to need a rewatch within context, right? So I I think we're going to have to get to the end of the season and then go back to this and and look at all of the strands that she was laying down. Yeah. Or just next episode. Maybe they'll just tell us. (laughs) Crossing my fingers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Tandy then Tandy is despondent as Dell is taking care of her and Dell's going to fix her face. And it, it, this is heartbreaking too. Dell is just like putting the makeup on Tandy and there I fixed it. You look pretty now. And I'm just, and Tandy's just saying, no, you, I would have gotten you out and saved you. Why <laughs> just leave that face alone? Um, we find out the girls who try to get out, get locked up and get killed. And Tandy is realizing she needs Ty. Of course she needs Ty. And she tries to convince Dell that there is hope. There is actually hope. And tries to convince her to leave. But in my notes I wrote, Dell seems to not even consider it because I had a feeling. Because it's not my first rodeo. I've seen TV shows before, you know? Right. <laughs> so I know that this kind of thing can kind of lead into something else. Um, and it does, it does, um, right after the evil robot, the candy robot took his money. (laughs) So Tandy wears the dress, sits in a window, but Dell looks in the mirror and and finds the guard. He's trying to get candy from the machine (laughs) and she steals his phone, finds out Leah was lying finds out that her parents have been looking for her ever since. And she now says to Leah, I have hope. And when she says that there's a man coming into the room with Tandy, he puts money down on the nightstand. And clearly this is a man who's coming in paying to have sex, paying basically to rape her. But Dell has hope now. And with that help, Tandy's powers come back. Yeah, they do. Tandy's <laughs> powers come back. And meanwhile, Ty's driving that ambulance, crashes it through the metal gate, and Mayhem is breaking records. 
<laughs> smashing records, and suddenly we got a superhero fight. And I know they are. They fight their way through the motel to each other, but then when they reach each other, he falls. And they're in the black again, and he's dying again, and she's on her knees, and he's dying in her arms again. What? Yeah, that's not right. That's exactly my words. What? Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know that I understood that. So I have a feeling we will next episode. Yeah, that makes sense. But the question I'm asking about it is, does that mean this whole thing, or at least this whole end battle? was like the perfect life scenarios. Oh no. It's like, Hey, I'm going to let you imagine this and have a little bit of hope, but no, I'm also going to, cause there were no bullets fired that I saw. This, this is a, this is a, a inception upon inception wrapped in a, an inception, isn't it? It's definitely a cliffhanger that we need re- resolution for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I just. And then the episode ends, right? Yeah. With him right yeah. here. Uh, almost like it ended last episode where I think that's how it ended was after he was shot and we're back in that eternal black mm-hmm. and or infinite black. Uh, and. Uh, and she's losing him again. Yeah, which is a thing that despair would do, right? Which is try to take away all of her hope. So she would get some and then take it away and get some more and take it away. I mean, that's what despair does. That's not true. Yeah. I, I, if that's the scenario, it totally fits the episode, totally yeah. fits um, his MO, yeah. totally fits what he does, the way he does things. The only thing that makes me think it's not is mayhem in the record store throwing the records around um and then the whole thing with mayhem helping ty because last episode there was no real tie in that episode that entire episode was just tandy and tandy's imagination that is being brought out with the memories from the record player and that's being brought out with um, the fake memories from fake albums, you know, that had the different lives. So it's, it's Andre creating these realities where Tyrone is there as a presence, but it's not actually him. It's, it's imaginary him. I don't get that with this episode, with this episode, I feel like we actually are seeing Tyrone doing these things, getting these ideas. Mayhem's helping him. So I'm curious. I'm not sure that the ending makes sense right now, but I need the context of next episode. Yeah, right. So what did he do to Auntie? Uh, Made him relive that. they They were talking, and then the next shot, she was on the floor. Well, that's where, did he stop her heart? I don't know. Like I don't know. I mean, there's some there's some very unanswered questions here. There are. There are. Ready for the answers, but next week. Next week. Next week. Well, yeah. no, not 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 next week. This week. I mean, we're recording yeah. it. In, <laughs> it's, in, in, it's this week. Well, as as we are recording this in two days. Well, so. and and we're spacing these episodes out with the Agents of Shield yeah. episode. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Next episode. Let's say next episode. Because <laughs> we have four different TV shows to to catch up on. Well, true, but we're following two right now. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have listener feedback from Agent Hank. Subject line: Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, season two, episode seven. So I'm not exactly sure what this is about, but um, it's. You and me both, yeah. Hank. <laughs> uh, Hank, Hank, you really need to be a little more specific with your <laughs> subject lines here. So, um, actually, Hank and I, we go way back. We've been friends for a while on on uh, social media, but also through podcasting. But he's he's appeared on some Strangers and Aliens with me. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He and I are he and I are are 
our Facebook friends. I mean, there's not a whole lot of interaction, but you know. Yeah. He did the Lone Ranger episode with me on Strangers and Aliens. I'm sorry you subjected Hank to see the Lone Ranger. Uh, neither of us would consider that being subjected to. Uh, we actually both kind of like the movie. We are talking about the Johnny Depp one, right? Yes. Okay. But also remember that comes from the guy who likes Star Trek the motion picture. I like Star Trek the motion picture. I, love I also it. like the Rocketeer and I love um, John Carter. I just just not a not fan a, of the Lone Ranger movie. Eh? Not not a fan of the Lone Ranger movie. Okay. Well, fair enough. Let's hear from Hank. He says Hank. the episode opens with a very powerful image that underscores one of the themes of the season. A flyer of a missing girl is picked up and thrown away with garbage. In addition, I found this one line to be especially powerful for reasons I'll note below. When you have nobody, nobody's going to save you. Andre uses Tandy's race and privilege to try to sever Ty's connection to Tandy to isolate her further. When Ty shakes his hand, it gives Andre an open door to see Ty's pain, and through that, he learns of Evita's aunt. He goes to see her to find a longer-term solution to his migraines, but Auntie sees through Andre and knows who he is, what he's capable of. She says to him, if you can't show mercy when you are playing God, what will you be like when you ain't playing no more? This is not so subtle foreshadowing of things to come and heightens the tension of this scene. His idea of mercy is to kill her. She knows this, but embraces it as part of her journey. She sees mayhem in the window, but secretly waves her off until the end. Oh, we forgot to talk about that. How she was, as she was standing at the record player, she noticed mayhem watching. And she's just like, uh, yeah, just wait, just wait. That's cool. Mayhem enters the record shop, starts destroying the records, freeing Tandy and the other girls from their despair. Ty finds the motel and behind his mission of rescuing Tandy. When they meet up and he learns she is okay, he collapses. Is it from the strain of using his power so much? Is it due to his encounter with Andre? Or is it possible that Mayhem trashing the record store is causing this collapse? Once again, the show is leaning hard into the concept of hope being tied into the need relationship that is hardwired into all of us. It reinforces again that the girls experience despair, hopelessness, because they uh, believe that they are trash, unwanted by family and friends alike. It is only when Dell learns the truth that her mother had been looking for her and that she sees the despair that Andre and Leah have been feeding her is a lie. When Dell stands up to Leah and declares she has hope, Tandy rediscovers her inner light and the power she possesses in the same moment. This is powerful messaging without feeling too preachy. The theologian within me is loving this. Hank, I agree with you very much. Yeah. I, I like the idea that this is um, powerful messaging without, you know, hitting you over the head with, with 66 books of the Bible. Well, and not only that, it's visual messaging. Right. I mean, that's the other cool thing about this is that they are using the medium that they are in to full effect with music and visuals and dialogue and fantastic acting. Um, Can I just say, we? I haven't really talked about the, the music in, these, in this series. The music in this series is fantastic. Just amazing. Like the B-Sides episode, that was great. Yes. Yes, it was. So good. That song was stuck in my head for a week. Mm -hmm. And it didn't help that even though it was stuck in my head, I went ahead and listened to Johnny Cash singing it. Well, because, yeah, you kind of have to. It did. I did. And that led me to find a couple um, – well, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole that I went down. But <laughs> um, but I found some other uh, people that did that song and – there's, I ended up on an album called Gunfighter Songs, and it was all these story songs about you know gunfighters and falling in love with people who are in love with bad people. And yeah. well, then there you go. It was interesting. It was fun. Okay. <clears throat> so that said, do you have any final words? Because I nope. think we are done talking about this episode. Yep, I just want to thank everybody for listening, and uh, I'm glad to see that the TV Time app still has our episodes, so if that's where you found us, thanks a bunch. Oh, 
<laughs> I haven't thought about the TV time app in a long time. I was just using it today, and and sure enough, there was our episodes. So, Stuart, it'd be nice if I could do things like like this with you, like the way I do it with Evan, uh, who lives in town here, and it's it's nice to have him. Um, in fact, if you could come over, you know, it'd be great. It'd be great if you and Samantha could come over, and we could podcast from my house. That'd be cool. You know what I'd do? Yeah. Yeah, we should do that sometime. And, and, and I'm going to cook, and we're going to talk. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcome to level7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 17755-Level7. Also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Thanks for joining us until next time. Godspeed. I would. I totally would cook for you. I'd eat. If you came over. I would absolutely eat. I would uh, make maybe grilled cheese. Yeah. We have this this stuff up here called Master Muffin Bread, which is basically um, an English muffin, but in slices. Oh, man. Wow. I would bring (gasps) I would bring that. For your for your grilled cheese, that sounds like an amazing grilled cheese right there. It is. It's so good. It makes great French toast. Oh, it's so good. All right. If you ever find it, buy some. Unfortunately, the way we record, I can't feed you. Oh, but I totally would. Said, I would eat it. <laughs> All right. Later, man. Bye.